And often the mind just likes to look at the other person and we're trained to blame. I mean, that is one of the mechanisms of the, of the mind is blame. So we look at like, well, I'm hurting. What are you doing wrong? And that obviously doesn't work. A lot of people come into therapy with that starting place. This week, if you want your spouse to change, you're going to actually have to do some changing yourself. We have a new guest on this week, David Joy Gauss, to explain what that means. Stay tuned. I'm going to keep this short. First, thank you for listening. If you're a regular listener, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review on whatever platform you listen to us on. This will help others discover us. Also, if you like the podcast, I highly recommend visiting our website, hitchedmag.com, which is updated daily with new content and where you will find thousands of articles available anytime. Lastly, I understand that not everything we talk about applies to everyone. However, I am confident that if you go to hitchmag.com and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, that you will find at least one and probably more pieces of information each week that will help your marriage thrive. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am very excited today because we have a new guest on the show, David Joy Gauss, who is a psychotherapist in private practice in Atlanta for over 30 years. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you. Glad to be here. It is it is uh, our pleasure, and I'm really excited uh, for our listeners to hear all the um, wisdom that you have ready to share for us, uh, with us. Um, so uh, before we get going, I do want to let everybody know that Deva and her husband give a weekend couples retreat workshop called Nurturing Your Love. Uh, she is also the author of Rearranged, Never the Same, The Nature of Grief, and Toolbox for Hope for When Your Body Does doesn't feel good. And you can get more information at her website, healingheartcommunications.com. So today we're going to talk about uh, the turnaround, becoming the partner you want your partner to be. Um, One of the things that I like to talk about and highlight on the podcast is how we are married for a really long time and that we change, I think, hopefully throughout those years. Um, we, we're, we're living longer, we're getting married later, we're divorcing less. So the statistics back me up on this statement. So um, my, my first question for you is, are you suggesting that if we want our spouse to change for the better, we first have to change ourselves? Yes, that that's our starting place. Of course, it's with ourselves because we have ability to work with ourselves. Um, and that leads us to communicating better with our partners. And it's important to also not do that in a manipulative way so that like, well, if I change in this way, then he or she will change. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really needs to be coming from a place of I wanting to grow. I'm wanting to use the relationship as a vehicle for my evolution and to look at myself because as we all know, who are in, in primary relationships, relationships do bring up a lot of stuff. They will show us exactly where our egos get stuck and exactly, you know, where we're not growing. 
And often the mind just likes to look at the other person and we're trained to blame. I mean, that is one of the mechanisms of the, of the mind is blame. So we look at like, well, I'm hurting. What are you doing wrong? And that obviously doesn't work. A lot of people come into therapy with that starting place. So instead, right, let's look at what's really happening inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when you, yeah, when you say that um, we're, we're trained to blame, so you, are you saying that that's just like a natural, um, like primitive thing that's built into us? Yes, I, I believe so. I believe even on a survival level, if you think about, you know, caveman times, you know, our fear was like, oh, are we going to get eaten by a lion? It's from outside of ourselves. So mm-hmm. it's on a survival tape level. Got and it. then I, I remember watching my sister uh, when her children were young and they one of them stubbed their toes on a chair. And she didn't want the child to think that it was his fault. So she's like, bad chair, bad chair. And I remember thinking like, yeah. Yeah, that's where it starts right there. I hurt and it's that that's fault over there. And so I do and we can't really blame ourselves for blaming. It's something that like happens. You know, yeah. if we have um, a ego, it happens. Uh, actually, I see blame as a calling for like we're hurting and we need to learn how to self-soothe before we actually go at our partners. Because usually when we're in blame, where our amygdala is the part of our brain that is about fear mm-hmm. is lit up if you were going to do a brain scan. So it's we're in fight, flight, or fear, fight, flight, or freeze. And so if we approach our partners from that place, it doesn't go so well. Yeah. So there's a lot of work to do first inside. And actually in our workshop, um, uh, it's called Nourishing Your Love. We... We focus first before we even teach communication tools on what we call the Dharma of partnership. And the Dharma, Dharma is a Sanskrit word that conveys that there's a path of right action for any life circumstance, meaning that our actions and speech are to be aligned with our heart and our deepest principles and values about life. And when we live dharmically, we're living, we're doing this for ourselves. So instead of being reacting to our partners, which we so often do, if you sing me, I'm going to sing you. If you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. Instead of that type of formula, it's like, how do I really want to show up? Not based on my partner, but based on my own sense of self and aspirations for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, I, by the way, I just want to say that I love the example of the your sister in the chair. I thought that was... So well put and so understandable too. I think we've all either done it ourselves or seen it done. So I thought that was like a fantastic example. Right. And we just do that automatically, yeah. like constantly. You know, I watched my husband, Tony, be like, can't find his keys. It's like, where'd you put my keys? Right. Like, what? Right. <laughs> so we just do that stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, so it takes an extra effort to actually spend time with ourselves to really see like, what is this reaction that's coming up? Where is it coming from? What do I actually need in this first for myself mm-hmm. before even my partner, you know, it's like working on ourselves and changing ourselves doesn't mean that we don't want our partners to change also or to improve in something, or it's not okay to want something different from our partners. Of course that happens, but first to be home with ourselves inside and know that we're doing inside what we, the inner work. Right. Okay. And that goes back to Dharma. And often people get very reactive. You know, I see a lot of, I do a lot of couples work 
and people are in reactivity to one another instead of and that once again is a brain chemistry and they're just people are just triggered 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 and in that state you really can't pay attention and go get into that dharmic place or that spiritual adult place and when in that kind of place i really recommend that people take space from one another but there are different ways of taking space some more dharmically than others yeah. so the intention to take space is to calm oneself down. So often people just do like, I'm leaving or I'm walking out. I'm uh-huh. not doing this. That doesn't, that doesn't work for taking yeah. space. But to say, I'll, you know what? I can't really think clearly and talk the way I want to talk. So I'm going to walk, take a walk for 20 minutes and I'll text you or I'll be back in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it triggers a fear of abandonment. And then when the person's away in taking space, it's really important not to be going over the conflict over and over because that way then the biochemistry, the amygdala, just stays all inflamed. Actually, when we take space, we need to self-soothe. And you need to know how, what soothes you. You know, that's different for each person. Yeah. So what kind of change to be a better partner should we then look to make? But that is the loaded question of all time, right? So I think it's really important, first of all, for us to look at what do we want to receive from our partners. And a great exercise is to just even make a list of what those qualities are, what we're wanting to receive, and then to take an inventory of ourselves with those qualities. Like, are we living into, let's say we say respect, are we being respectful? And to to really work with ourselves in that way. Uh, another big thing, and this is, we think it's simple, but it's it's not, is to be a good listener with our partners. Uh, s- listening is a very loving action. And we often think, oh, I'm great at listening. What <laughs> listening? So what? Listening, yeah, that's not going to do much. Um, but so often we're distracted when we're listening and we're not really entering into our partner's uh, experience, we're actually thinking about, well, I got to make sure I make this point. And what about my experience? No, that's not right. And we're going through something like that, or we're distracted with thinking about other things. And so learning how to really be present with our partners and be present with ourselves and to be honest and to be listening, which really means like entering into our partner's space, uh, suspending our own, entering like a a good friend would Mm -hmm. and suspending our own experience and really hearing. And I recommend that like really five minutes is a long time to do that kind of listening. And we teach tools like mirroring and how to really hear the other person. But that's, that's a really big one. And then also to learn how to really own what's really going on in ourselves. Mm. Um, and there's a sentence that we give in our couples workshop and it, it goes something like this. Uh, it, it's about looking at how we get triggered. So when you, and then we like look at the behavior of our partner that really disturbs mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So, and the behavior is not an interpretation. So it's not like when you disrespect me because that's an interpretation, but when you roll your eyes and I'm talking, I feel, and then must give a feeling word. People 
use that word. I feel, uh-huh. I feel like you do this. Right. No, no. What do you feel? You know, what right. do you, because you're going to let someone in to know you. I mm-hmm. feel hurt. I feel angry. I feel diminished. Then I react by, and now we're owning what we do. I blame, I attack you. I leave. I threaten abandonment. I stonewall. Yeah. And I, I want to, I want to point out something really quick because I feel like you, you demonstrated it, but, um, I just want to make sure everybody caught it, which was when you do the, I feel you first started to give the example of, I feel you. And so you took it immediately off of yourself and then started going back to the blame thing, which we had talked about at the beginning, as opposed to, I feel, and then talking about your own emotions in which that would be something that they can't do anything other than validate it because they can't have an opinion on how you are actually feeling. Right. Because it's happening in your own body. Right. And that's your experience. But then to really own up to what you do because you feel that way. Well, I, I'm blaming you right now for that. Mm-hmm. And that's because I'm scared. Like what's under that? Mm-hmm. So that's the type of work that is important to look at when we're with ourselves and we're triggered before we ask our partners to change. What do we actually feel? Where is that coming from? When have we felt that earlier in our lives? How do we react and hide that feeling? And what are we really scared of? Mm-hmm. And when we bring that kind of vulnerability and that inner work to our partners, it usually really melts and bridges uh, us with our partners. And, and so when you do that and you go through that kind of an exercise, uh, and you listen and which also means putting your phone down and not checking messages when you try to have (laughs) a conversation with your spouse, um, how, how will this impact your spouse? Well, it's usually such a relief and it's usually disarming, but that might not happen immediately. It depends on every couple. And some people have a lot of thick armor, but if we're treating our partners with respect and owning our own stuff and being honest and being kind and quote unquote dharmic, then our partners usually grow into that and meet us and are so grateful. And if not, then more work needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I suggest because couples get into loops, you know, and patterns and they're very hard to interrupt. And, uh, there's a phrase called negative sentiment override by John Gottman, who did a lot of research on couples. And, and that means that you're just like in this negative zone and everything the partner does just annoys you worse and worse and worse. And that needs to be interrupted. So sometimes making a change doesn't just bring immediate results, but more, more cleaning out of the pipes, so to speak, needs to happen. Right. I'm so glad you brought that up too, because I feel like a lot of times um, people will try something. So we'll give them a little bit of a script like we are today about how you would approach your spouse. They do it and their spouse, because they are so trained and they're in that cycle, they will just give the immediate response, reflexive response that they always do. Um, and then the person who has initiated is like, crap, man, this this doesn't work. This is garbage. And it's like, no, like, (laughs) and they go back to like shutting down their heart. Like, I tried. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's not, it's not a magic potion. It's, it's something that like, to your point, like you really have to knock the rust off. It's going to take a little bit of time and perhaps several attempts and several follow-ups to when your spouse starts, um, responding that way. But uh, eventually they will start to see like, wow, you know what? They're coming at this from a really kind, thoughtful place. Maybe I can, you know, 
give a kind response and see how that changes this conversation. Exactly. One thing that I really communicate with my couples that I see in in therapy is that we are working with biochemistry. It's a very biochemical thing and people get triggered so easily into that survival reactive fear place. It could even be, would you take out the garbage? And that is a trigger because somehow they feel like you're always telling me I'm not doing something right. And then they're in this reactive place. So we actually have a formula of how to approach conflict in a way that works, which is once again, you have to first, when you're, we are agitated, we first need to self-soothe so that we have our blood flow coming to our frontal cortex. We need to take care of, you know, whether if it's a walk or yoga or breathing or a bath, whatever that is, a run to shift our own state of consciousness. And then we approach, and it's really important when there's a conflict to approach first with an appreciation or an intention you know, like, I know you really love me, or I know that your heart is good and you mean well. We do not add a but after that statement, however, (laughs) because that's something that so many people do. But when we approach with, or my intention to share this is so that we can be closer. So once we say that, now our partner's blood flow in the brain is actually moving to the frontal Mm -hmm. cortex. And then it's when you, and it's the behavior I feel such and such, the feeling. What I really want is, and that's something also people often don't do, they fail to say what it is they really need and want from the partner. They just, you know, give a criticism, say like, that's not right, you're not doing right, yuck, Uh and they don't give something else. What I really want is for us to be connected. I want to be heard by you. It's important that you hear me because you're my person. Uh And, And that's the type of bridging that really makes a difference. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so we, we've, we've talked about, um, listening and, and changing, uh, the script a little bit. So what other change can we attempt, uh, which would have a beneficial impact on our spouse? Well, one thing is that I really like Gary Chapman's work about the five love languages Mm -hmm. and to learn how, be the partner not only that we want our partner to be, but also be the partner that our partner needs. Mm-hmm. So who is our partner? How, how do they really register being loved? Right. And to really learn our partners. And uh, do we have time to go into the love languages? I, um, we've. Uh, so I will say this. We have talked about the love languages okay. uh, Great. quite a bit on the podcast. But if you want to go through just That's okay. I just are. want to make mention yeah. that it's important to know our partners mm-hmm. And have a love map of our partners and to know how to show up also in ways and be motivated to show up. Uh, and when our hearts are closed with our partners and it's, it's harder, but we can actually start with how do I want to experience myself? Because we can't really have a closed heart with our partner and have a great day. It's like because we're shut down. And so how we treat our partners is how we're experiencing ourselves in a day and night. Mm-hmm. And that's how close we are. So it's one circuit. So there, there needs to be that motivation and intention of, you know, why am I approaching my partner in this way? Mm-hmm. And, and um, I always say, get help. I want to say shamelessly get help because we only have the toolbox we have, you know, and that's from what we learned from our parents and other adults as kids and the, how we compensate for that. And so when you get help, 
that opens the circuit. Yeah. I, I constantly talk about this, um, about getting help with, and within relationships, um, because I feel like there is still a stigma to it, which I think is ridiculous, uh, understandable because it is so personal, but I also feel like it, it's irrational because when you think about all other aspects of life and when you think about what people know and what they take, uh, when they accept that they don't know, um, it, you know, we know how to eat food, but when we want to lose weight, we get a nutritionist or we get a personal trainer. If we were doing a sport, we get a, a batting coach or a tennis coach or whatever it is, um, to help us do that better. Even though we can run and swing a bat, you, you want to do it better. And you know that somebody has studied this and knows the motions and knows the language and knows the cues to tell yourself, et cetera, et cetera. But when, when it comes to relationships, it's like, well, you know, it's all whatever. We're not, we're not having that kind of trouble. And it's like, what are you talking about? You're not having that kind of trouble. Uh, and so I just, I like, like you say, you know, shamelessly plug it, but I'm just like, you know what? Like people need to hear it because I don't think people give themselves permission to go there because for some reason they feel like it's an, uh, some sort of failure when I think, no, this is you like raising your level. This is you going to that next level that a lot of people, um, just don't see or are willing to accept. So I absolutely, love it. it takes, I love what you just said and it takes so much strength to ask for help. It's a, it's courageous, it's bold and it's open and willing and, and we can only take things so far. You're right. We get a coach or help for everything. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and, and also I just want to say relationships are all about negotiations Yeah. and really they're contracts about every, it's about everything, whether it's from lovemaking to the dishes or childcare. And so we, to be a good negotiator, you have to, once again, have a strong adult ego state and be in a clearer space. And sometimes that takes help too mm-hmm. to get that place. Yeah. And that's not to say that everything will always be perfect and blah, 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 but um, you will understand. So let's say you are, uh, I like to use metaphors. Um, <laughs> so let's say that you are a professional baseball player and you get up to bat and you strike out. That's not to say that you won't know how to handle that and get back up to the plate the next time and, and hit a home run. So um, you, you learn even though it's not always going to go a hundred percent, nobody bats a thousand, but you will be better overall because of it. So, absolutely. Um, uh, so, uh, one last thing that I wanted to ask you was, and, and I kind of touched on this a little bit, but so you're doing all these changes for yourself. Like you are, um, you're really listening, you're, you're doing all this stuff. What if your spouse just isn't noticing the changes? Like they are really stuck in where they are and they are not being receptive to anything that you're putting out there. Well, first of all, keep going, you Mm -hmm. know, because it's for you. It's like you're making these changes for you and that needs to be discussed, you know, and and explored. And that's where, once again, I think if that help is needed at Mm -hmm. that place to create a safe container, um, uh, yeah. That's what I would say. Okay. Yeah. And the other two things I just want to add is that um, it's been shown that what really helps long-term relationships be happy and successful is really feeling that deep friendship with one another, that warm regard and knowing that you're being held in that place by your partner in that way, tracking each other, being there, knowing each other, and 
holding each other and each other's challenges as well as joys. And, and that's a big key as well as learning how to bridge because conflict is inevitable. If a couple tells me they're not having conflict, I'm like, uh Oh, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. So one person is accommodating too much then. So it's like to learn how to have conflict and to do it well and, um, and to learn how to bridge and repair through it. And these are the couples that really enjoy each other. Yeah. Long term. So when you say um, learn how to conflict well, really quick, um, is is that different than disagreeing? Because I feel like um, when you when you learn how to have disagreement well, you avoid the conflict. Or am I am I just like really trying to split hairs here? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it, there's all different levels of conflict, right? Yeah. There's the explosive conflict right. and fighting, and then there's just like a disagreement about a detail. Um, but we will have conflict because when you just have, even within ourselves, we have conflict, much less being with right. one other person. And so that's inevitable. So let's learn how to do it well. It's The problem is not the conflict. The problem is how we do it. Mm-hmm. Do we do it with respect? Do we, you know, take responsibility? Do we tell the other person when they have a point? Do we bridge during it or do we just go for being right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we go for being right, then our hearts will be shut down and we will hurt. Yeah. Uh, th- this was um, fantastic. We can wrap it up. Um, did you, before we go, did you have anything else that you wanted to, to add or I think we're good. Uh, I just want to say that being in coupleship for, for me, and I've been with my husband for over 30 years and do see so many couples, it's one of the most beautiful gifts to to work our own stuff with someone else and to find that safety. And anyone who's listening who's doing that, I really want to say it is a warrior's path. I mean, it is. <laughs> it takes a lot. And, and it's great. And it's one of the most nourishing and transformative paths one can take. And I want to acknowledge everyone who's doing that. I love that. That's great. Um, and well, so, uh, David, thank you so much for coming on. Thank and, and you, Steve. Your this was, this was a real pleasure. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it so much too. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. Um, so before we go, I do want to remind the listeners that you have been listening to David Joy Gauss, who is a psychotherapist in private practice in Atlanta, Georgia for over 30 years. Uh, Deva and her husband give weekend couple retreat workshops called nurturing your love. Uh, she is also the author of Rearranged, Never the Same, and you can get this at her web uh, get this information at her website, HealingHeartCommunications.com. Um, of course, I will include um, this information on our website, HitchedMag.com. I will uh, put a link uh, uh, to HealingHeartCommunications.com uh, in the show notes. And um, if you are listening for the first time, perhaps uh, I do recommend checking out the site. Uh, we have. Thousands of articles, hundreds of podcasts. We have a weekly newsletter that is free that keeps you up to date on all the information we put out that week. And so, um, yeah, check it out. I think you might enjoy it. So, uh, one last time, that's going to do it for us. Take care, everybody. Until next time. We're on top of the world tonight.